217 podcast. In this special evening service, we are joined by Dr. David Nichols as he shares a message entitled, Behold the Lamb. Dr. Nichols is the founder of Heart of the Father Ministries. He has over 40 years of ministry experience as a pastor, college professor, academic dean, and missionary evangelist. Following the message, take a look at the episode description for helpful links to learn more about Heart of the Father Ministries and the ministry of Destiny Church. Let's go into the Word for a few minutes here tonight. Evangelistically speaking, a few minutes, right? Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Behold the Lamb. Let's go to John chapter 1, please. In this message tonight, I have one goal, I have one destination for this message, to raise your understanding and your appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ higher, higher, okay? I'm going to try to do that tonight by the Holy Spirit. I believe he's going to help me. John chapter 1 and verse 29 It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus walking toward John the Baptist points at him and says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you have something that needs to be purchased and dealt with of tremendous cost, you're going to take a payment and you're going to make a payment that has tremendous worth. And I was going to bring a couple of objects here tonight and I forgot them, if you can believe that. I was going to bring a 1963 silver half. Uh, It's a Franklin half that's silver that was made in 1963. In 1963, it was worth 50 cents. Tonight, it's worth $10 if you have one, (laughs) just because of the water that's gone over the dam financially. I was also going to bring in here a silver eagle. That's a one-ounce silver coin. I was going to hold that up for you. I forgot that, too. (laughs) And uh, it's a silver eagle that I bought some years ago. I think I paid $6 for it. And uh, I checked last week, and this particular one is selling for $90 right now. So there's a store of value there. And when God looked down on the human condition, he saw that it was going to take something very precious, very dear. He couldn't just take any old kind of answer to this problem of human sinfulness. In fact, it was going to be way more than a half dollar or a silver eagle or even a gold eagle. 
This was going to have to be the life of his very own son. My friend, the way he did it, I, I want to just take a few minutes here tonight and try to depict it to you. The way he did it is it had to be revealed. There, there's no way a human mind could have dreamt this up. So Jesus comes walking, and John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, we're far enough away from Christmas right now, so it won't, the damage won't be too bad, okay? I'm going to kind of challenge some of your stereotypes about Christmas. Because when Jesus came and was born, the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. You remember Matthew chapter 2? They said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And the whole city was in an uproar. And Herod said, king, what king? I'm the king here. And, and nobody knew what was going on. So they called the scribes and elders. They said, what's this king? Where is the king going to be born? And they go to the book of Micah. And they quote Micah 5.2 of Bethlehem, Ephrathah, uh, and, and all that, and, and they send them there. But there's another part of Micah, if you back up a chapter, into chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Behold, Migdal Ader, huh, the tower of the flock, it shall come to you. It what? The kingdom of God, the arrival of God's presence, and, and associated, of course, with Bethlehem. So everyone scream right out loud, what in the world is Migdal Ader? <laughs> the Tower of the Flock. It's a structure that was right on the north end of Bethlehem, a short walk from the north end of the city. It's a place where the shepherds brought their sheep there was a prepared place inside of Migdal Ader called a stall where these ewes, when they were going to bring forth their lambs, these were the lambs that were going to be the sacrificial lambs at the temple six miles up the road. This is where they got them all. Do you ever wonder that? You know, all those hundreds and hundreds of lambs had to be sacrificed every Passover. Where did they get them? These shepherds that were around the region of Bethlehem were responsible for raising lambs with no spot, no blemish, anything like that. So I'm going to submit to you tonight that Jesus wasn't placed in a, in a feed trough for cows with hay in it. <laughs> Sorry, I know that destroys a lot of Christmas cards, but anyway... Uh, I'm going to submit to you tonight that when there was no room for them in the inn... Mary and Joseph went to Migdal Ader. <laughs> and there the Lamb of God was born. It says in Luke chapter 2, they placed him in a fatne. I'm giving you Greek here in Hebrew tonight without making you beg for it. You know, I think you appreciate that, okay? <clears throat> they placed him in a fatne. Now, fatne can be translated manger, and in most of your Bibles it is, but it also means stall. In other words, a, pre a specially prepared place. And in Migdal Ader, there was such a place. And, uh, in fact, let's turn there to Luke chapter 2 for a moment. 
the Lamb of God. Luke chapter 2 and uh, verse 7. It says, She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a fatne, because there was no room for them in the inn. It doesn't say they went right next to the inn. It doesn't say they were with the cattle and camels and all that. I don't think they were. I think they took that short walk out to Migdal Ader. And that's where Jesus was born. And it says, the angel appeared to the shepherds. In verse 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a fatne. There were more angels as it goes on, the glory to God in the highest. And then the shepherds say, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. They weren't far away. They were in in the fields and, and immediate regions around it. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, and it should say lying in the fatne. My Bible here says a fatne. It should say the fatne in the stall. How could it be a sign to them? What kind of sign would this be to a shepherd who spent his whole life raising sheep to bring forth the sacrificial lambs that are going to be the ones taken up to the temple to shed their blood for the sins of the people year after year after year, as you know, in in the Jewish cycle of Passover? What would be a sign to those shepherds a baby laying in a manger of hay with cows mooing and camels grunting and, you know, and, uh, what kind of sign is that? But if they would find him in the fatne, huh, a human baby laying in there where all those lambs were placed when they were born, kind of adds some real meaning to the title Lamb of God. And God's attention to that detail. This is going to be the heaviest, biggest assignment ever given to anyone in the history of the human race. To go down to earth, become a human being, live and die for the sins of humanity and effect the complete victory over sin, death, hell, and the devil. This is it. This, this is the Super Bowl, okay, of the spirit world. This is the seventh game in the World Series, okay? This is the big one. And that's what Jesus was sent down here to do. But notice how he starts out. He starts out as the lamb, almost as literal as you possibly can get by being laid in the fatne. And the shepherds saw it, and they, and they marveled. It's and they made this widely known what, what had happened. We went to the Migdal Ader, and there was a human baby laying in there where all the lambs have been. What in the world is going on here? God has stepped in. 
Now over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Eric. First Corinthians chapter one. I wrote my PhD dissertation on this passage and I still don't understand it completely. <laughs> 31 years ago. <laughs> Verse 18 in 1 Corinthians 1, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it all makes perfect sense. Is that what the Bible says? No. No, stop me when I, when I misquote the Bible, all right? Just stop me. No. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, literally a scandal, the Greek word is scandal on, a stone to stumble over in your pathway in, in, at night in the darkness, that's, that's a scandal on. And to Greeks, foolishness, the Greek word there is moria, we get all kinds of great words from that Greek word, like moron. <laughs> That's an English word. Yeah, moria. And I wondered how the cross was foolishness. I started to think about some biblical imagery. Here we are. This is the world series of spiritual activity. This, this is the big one. This is where it all comes down. And uh, we got the other side. On the other side, they have a champion. This is going to be a big contest. It's called the dragon. He's red. He's mean. His tail takes a third of the stars of heaven with him. Revelation chapter 12, the dragon, Satan. Bad, bad, bad corrupted and violated mankind for thousands of years with sin and debasement and corruption and all that stuff. God's going to send his precious gift. And on our side, we're going to send up a lamb. That's foolishness. That's God's kind of foolishness. That dragon is going to crush that lamb. Exactly. Going to crush him till he bleeds. And that blood that comes out of him is going to be holy blood. 
undefiled blood, pure blood, sin-forgiving blood, soul-cleansing blood out of that lamb. So go ahead, dragon, make my day. I think it's kind of what Jesus was saying. The dragon against the lamb. Couldn't it be the lion? Couldn't, couldn't we at least sick the lion against the dragon and maybe he could chase? No, not the lion, not this. There'll be a time for the lion. This one's going to be the lamb. And he's going to win the victory by being crushed, bruised, bruised for your iniquities. Let's go to Isaiah 53 for a moment. I This... Prophecy, as I was getting this ready, I, I, I couldn't handle this for a while. I had to weep. Isaiah 53. <clears throat> it says in verse 4, Surely he has borne our sorrows and borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. Let's say this verse 5 all together. You guys, you got it, in your, you got it up here. He was, he was bruised for our transgressions. He, he was wounded. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes... We are healed. Let's say it again. By his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Now look at these verses. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. Think of this. These words were written 700 years before Jesus came on the earth. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And that's actually recorded in Matthew 26. That's how he stood before Pilate, the lamb. The lamb. You needed lamb's blood. But that old system with the cycle that went year after year after year, it, it could postpone the penalty, it could postpone the, uh, the issues of sin because God himself ordained it, but it was always looking forward to the lamb that was going to be laid in the fatne and be the lamb of God from the moment of, and from the foundation of the earth, but in the incarnation from the moment of his birth, laid there to be the lamb and take down the dragon. That's foolishness. But it's, self, it's foolishness that saves. It's foolishness that wins the victory. It's foolishness that abolishes human intellect and human intellect's ability to understand what God is doing and come to a point where you have to say, I believe. You're not going to get to this lamb and his victory over the dragon by thinking about it some more. I'm sorry. I'm as educated as you can get in the United States of America, and I'm just going to tell you that. Praise God for our minds. Let's use them for what God created them for. But let's come to an issue of faith and say, Jesus, we believe. 
we believe and we trust you by simple childlike faith. Now, Hebrews chapter 9, please. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not made of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, nor even of lambs, although he doesn't mention that here. But with his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. That annual trek of taking the lambs up to Jerusalem isn't needed anymore. The lamb was born. The lamb lived. The lamb died. And he rose from the dead the third day. Hallelujah. Alive forevermore. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. The freedom of becoming a child of God and coming under that forgiving stream and living under that forgiving stream of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Jesus just didn't just knock it out of the park at, in the seventh game of the World Series. He didn't just throw up a Hail Mary into the end zone and win it in the last seconds. He settled it for all time and all eternity. From his point where he was dying on the cross, shedding his blood, and then rising from the dead, it reaches all the way back to the Garden of Eden. It reaches all the way forward for as long as this thing is going to go until he comes. Whosoever will may come. Whether they're in America or Africa or Asia or South America, wherever they are, across this whole wide world, whosoever will may come. And he is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's a blood covenant. It's the greatest covenant. It's the biggest thing that this world has ever seen. And Jesus is in the center of it all as the lamb. Revelation chapter 5, please. John sees into heaven. He sees a being seated on a throne, sees that in his 
right hand he has a scroll. The scroll's not able to be opened. So he weeps. Revelation 5, 5. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. The seven seals are the total destiny of the human race under the hand of God, is what they are. If you, if you read through them here, we're not going to do that tonight. But And John says, I looked and behold, in the... They're calling for the lion, but he looks and behold in the midst of the throne and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the, all the earth. And he came, the lamb came, and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Jump down to verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Can we say this all together? Can you get it up there on, on uh, verse 12? You ready? Let's all say it together. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Hallelujah, the Lamb. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Hallelujah. Tonight I give you the bleeding lamb, the lamb who bled. This is the one you need. You need him to get saved in the first place. You need his blood to stay saved. You need him to keep on purifying you and cleansing you. You need him to purify and cleanse your conscience so that your conscience isn't defiled. It's an open book before God. You say, God, read me like a book so that you can come into a life lived in the Lord where your whole life could be recorded on your phone. And you could hand your phone to anybody I'm talking about every minute of every day. Here you go. Read my life. Because actually, that's how it's going to be at the great white throne judgment, except the people there are not going to be covered by the blood of the Lamb. It's going to be heaven's jumbotron up there playing their lives. God is a God of absolute mercy, but he's a God of absolute justice. And judgment is coming, folks. That's why we got to tell them. That's why we got to go. That's why we got to love them. 
That's why we got to see the harvest come in. Can you say amen? Let's stand up together, please. Thank you, Jesus. If you need more of the blood of Jesus tonight, for any reason, maybe you've never really received him as Savior and Lord before. Maybe you received him. You got things going on that you know are wrong. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the mercy of God. You behold the Lamb. And as a Christian, he actually forgives you again, but he says to you, I want to give you my blood as a permanent endowment to purify you and let you begin to walk in righteousness with victory over the things that have troubled you. Addictions and complications and attitudes and angers and all kinds of different things. I'm declaring to you tonight the blood of Jesus. If you're here tonight and you need more of the blood of Jesus, just step out and come on down here. We're going to pray together at the end of this service. You need more of the blood of Jesus. Just come on down. As I'm telling you, it is an inexhaustible supply. It runs from the beginning of human history to the end. Without interruption, it's eternal. We read in Hebrews, God bless you. Kind of spread out this way so they can kind of come down from the middle here. Hallelujah. The blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, let's keep coming here. Come right up to the front here, you guys. Hallelujah. Jesus, the ones for whom you shed your blood. The gift of the highest value that could ever be given. You humbled yourself. You came and were laid in that fontney. For each one of these here tonight, can't understand it, Jesus, but we can accept it, and we can say yes to it tonight. I want you to pray this prayer right out loud, if you would, please. Say, Lord Jesus, I come to you tonight to accept your blood over me. I choose tonight to enter into this covenant in your holy blood, Lamb of God. Cleanse me, wash me, purify me. 
I give you right now my thoughts, my intentions, my plans, my dreams, my whole life. I lay it out before you. And I say, cover me with your blood. You are the lamb who was slain so I could be redeemed and made righteous. Thank you, Lamb of God. I just let that soak into you for a while here tonight. off of you right now addictions addictive behavior strongholds in your life the blood of Jesus comes against them right now the name of Jesus destroys them he's the lamb and you're going to be a person who is not just saved you're going to be a follower of Jesus because he said if you want to come after me there's three things deny yourself take up your cross and follow him and Jesus tonight in this place no matter what lies in our future the events of the world and the events of our nation we stand here to say we're covered by your blood and we're ready to follow you all the way even if it means to persecution and even to death Lamb of God you died for us what else could we do die for you so we thank you tonight that your victory is our victory that your peace is our peace salvation that you brought is ours we have it we own it we possess it within ourselves leading us unto eternal life. Thank you, Father, for your genius in sending the Lamb. <laughs> the Lamb. The Lamb. So 
I just say to you tonight, be forgiven. Be healed. Be restored. Some of you have a fractured past here tonight. Let restoration come in there by this blood. Enmity, feelings with people and arguments and angry voices that spoke right now, the blood of the Lamb comes. The mercy of God and His perfect love that comes and casts out fear. And I declare to each person here in the sound of my voice tonight that fear is not going to hold you. Because when this perfect love comes, fear has to go. No fear of the future, no fear of the past, no fear of man, no fear of devils. We fear the Lord God with a different kind of fear, a reverential awe. With open mouth wonder at the glory of who you are, Lord. I love you. I say yes to you tonight. Thank you for this precious harvest that is your people. This is the harvest of the earth. you tonight to occupy your place. Not as some onerous duty or heavy burden, but as the privilege and the honor that you have to serve the Lamb. It's the Lamb that calls you. It's the Lamb that enables you. It's the lamb that gives you a righteous life on this earth. We're going to go forth from this place. And in the eyes of a society that is literally, and I mean that word in its right meaning, literally going to hell, we're going to live righteous before them. We're going to show them what a person who's been washed in the blood of the Lamb and continues to be every single day what that person looks like. And we're going to snatch some of them out of the fire and out of the punishment of hell. And they're going to stand with us, redeemed children of God. This has been a message from Destiny Church in Springfield, Illinois. To learn more about our ministry, visit the episode description where you can find links to our website, 
ways to give, and more information about who we are. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationship. Relationship.